0: Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference Podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. Father, we come to you tonight in Jesus' name, and Lord, just recognize the price that He paid at Calvary. Lord, thank you that you are willing to give everything. Uh, you are willing to pay the ultimate price to purchase us back out of our sin and our rebellion and, and Lord, uh, to see us redeemed and, and reconciled uh, to you. And, and, and so, Lord, it costs you everything. And so, God, we're trusting you for everything, uh, Lord, except you build the house, Lord, except you uh, build us up through Your Word in the inner man. Uh, we'll just we'll just participate in an exercise in futility. But Your Word can speak into our hearts and our lives, and we can we can meet with You in Your Word. And Lord, Your Word uh, can transform us. It can it can transform who we are. And so, God, we're trusting You for for that. We don't want to just learn facts about Your Word. Uh, We want to learn and we want to grow in knowing you. And so, Lord, we're your children, you're God, you're a father. uh, Have your way with us, we pray tonight in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last night we were in John chapter 15 and we looked at the first six verses and we saw how critical it was that we have this growing, this abiding, this this loving, this love relationship with God and His Word—we need to abide in the vine, and this is the key. It's a great key to producing spiritual fruit. And if a church, if a people aren't producing fruit, why is that? Well, it's simple math, right? I mean, if abiding in Christ is the key to producing fruit, if we're not producing fruit, then according to John chapter 15, somehow in some way, uh, our abiding isn't proper, right? The abiding isn't taking place. Uh, if, there's, if, if we're not accessing the person and the power of Christ, then that will be evident in our life. And one of the points that we made last night is that, that you know, we just remember that, that tour that we took through Scripture. And, and the goal is just to see all that Jesus is, seeing see Him for, for all that He is, all who He is, And Christ is everything. He's our all in all. And what's a shame? I mean, there's a very real danger that you can receive Christ but live as if he's nothing. I mean, Christ is everything. He's the all in all. But then to live my life like like Christ is nothing in my life. Uh, What a tragedy. People attend church. Uh, People can even want to serve in their church. They can even want a disciple. But do it in their own power and in their own ability. Pastor. 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 I'm I'm I've got the sixteen I've got the eighteen lessons memorized. Give me someone to disciple. And in so doing, you make them a copy of your carnal self. Pastor, give me a disciple. How come Pastor, how come you never give me a disciple? Well, how come you never lead anyone to Christ? How come there's how come there's never any fruit? I mean, where's the love of God? Where's the love of his word? Where's the love of the work? Where's his love for people? Man, if, if, we, I mean, if, if, if we could just see it, right? If our neighbor, our coworker, our classmates could just see that relationship, that abiding relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ, if they could see in our lives that he's all in all, he's that big a deal, he is everything, uh, man, what kind of impact could our lives have? In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled right they're marveling over Peter and John and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus that's what happens man abiding in Christ hanging with Jesus remember what he said in verse 3 he's made uh, he made the disciples clean through the word that was spoken to them right so the, so how you get saved that's how you live saved you continue in the word of God and that that time spent face to face with the word of God. It was like Moses of old, man, just their countenance is shining with the love and the glory of God and, and people can't help but notice that. I, uh, I, I appreciate the intentionality of what uh, Brett and Eric are sharing with us in the morning sessions. You know, it's really critical. Uh, did, I, did, I, did I tell you how I came out of um, uh, how I came out of just friendship only evangelism did I talk about that at certainty Man I don't you think I can do it okay So I I I I started learning my Bible and I started getting excited about it and and uh and I was trained by some people I took very seriously that that you know confrontational evangelism isn't where it's at anymore you earn the right to give the gospel through your relationship and I and okay, I, I, can, I can get with that. That makes total sense. We're seeing insight into that in the morning sessions, right? You're, you build the relationship, and, and then you go from, from, from the friendship into you're, you're trusting the Lord to lead that friend to faith. At some point, God's going to open this door of utterance. Um, so what I'm doing, because I'm ignorant, I'm not chumming the water. I'm not using bait. I'm not, the only bait is just my my beautiful baby blue eyes, looking where they're supposed to look, doing what I'm supposed to do, speaking the way that I'm supposed to speak. And, and so I don't cuss, smoke, or chew, or, you know, kiss the girls that do. Okay, so, and uh, I'm working in sales. I'm working in this sales office, and, and this guy, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a fellow sales rep, and he says, Sam, can we get lunch? Uh, I got some questions for you. And I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. So we go get lunch, and he wants to go to the Sonic so we can stay in the car, so we can have a private conversation. So we get our tater tots, and he says, Sam, there's just something different about you. And I'm like, holy moly, it's happening. This is the great open door, this door of utterance. It's it's coming right now. And he says, you know, you don't cuss. You're happy all the time. I don't see you eyeing the girls. I don't hear you talking trash on on, on, on the girls or talking vulgar about them. You're just different than anybody I've ever met in my life. And in my heart, I know. I know in my heart of hearts what's gonna come next. Sir, what must I do to be saved? That's what he's gonna say. No, the next words that came out of his mouth were, are you gay? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? He goes, well, are you homosexual? I like, he says, it's okay, I'll still like you. He's just, he's just like, dude, you're weird. And I just gotta know. <laughs> And so I took that as an open door. It was a poor one. It was a very poor one. but I just took that as an open door and uh and uh, and I preached christ to that to that cat uh, i <laughs> i don 't know so i I learned some of what what brett 's going to be i 'm sure sharing in the in the morning sessions. I learned how to how to how to use bait and how to chum the waters and how to Make sure that people knew where I was at with the Lord moving forward. And in the process of time, God gave me a wife and kids. And so I got my hetero card and, you know, praise the Lord. (laughs) But uh, there it is. Okay, so. (laughs) But these guys, they're looking at at Peter and John. They're just blown away by their life. They're marveling over them. What was it? What was so different about them? Well, They're abiding in the vine. And it's blowing people's minds. Uh, That's where power in our witness, comes from. Now tonight, I want to just keep going, next couple verses, and I want to see another key, a great key for fruitfulness. He continues in verse seven. Again, you know, uh, we're going to end up, just so you know, in, in 1 Timothy chapter two, but, but let's just, by way of introduction, let's, let's just keep going in John. He says, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Verse 7 gives the principle, if we're abiding, right? Right? If you're abiding in the vine, you are abiding in Christ, in his word, you're going to pray and you're going to see answers to those prayers. Verse 7. And then you get the agenda in verse 8. What is it? Well, it's that the Father be glorified. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit so shall you be my disciples. As much as anything else, in John chapters 14 through 16, you get the legacy of the believer, that God is glorified in and through his people in answered prayer. So this is how we live. We we, we live so that God's answering our prayer and he's glorified through it. So answered prayer, this is point number one in your notes, it requires belief on Jesus. In John chapter 14, he tells us, Believe me, I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, verse 13, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. I mean, hello. That ought to just put us to work praying all the time. Just that promise right there. You ask and you'll receive. Faith, this is the way of prayer. This belief on the person of Jesus Christ that he will do. He will perform what he said. In James chapter 1, you see this way of prayer described. Uh, Ask. Right? If you, in, in this case, if you need wisdom, ask. But look at the condition, verse 6. But let him ask, believing, right? Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. You can short-circuit your prayer life through wicked unbelief, can't you? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so if you're praying, oh, God, I know you're God, and I know you're good, and I need help. And I'm praying for you to move in my life, to open those doors, to give me opportunities to lead people to Christ. But if in your heart, while you're making those kinds of prayers, you're praying, you know, I think God, I think God maybe isn't hearing me. I don't know if God heard my prayer. I don't know if God cares about what I'm talking to him about, right? Or, 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 or maybe like in the, in the doubts, in the recesses of your heart, it's, I don't know if God really wants to answer, if God really wants to help. And if that's how you're praying in your heart, you'll probably get what you really prayed. Here in John 15, verses 7 and 8, what we're getting is a promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. Abide in me. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will. It shall be done unto you. Here's how the Father's glorified. You're going to bear much fruit. That's how it gets done. So what can we glean with that? Point number two, answered prayer comes as we pray according to the word of God. Again, James gives a great principle for prayer. In James chapter four, verses two and three, you're fighting and you're frustrated. Verse two. Verse three, you pray about it. Ye ask and ye receive not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. Here it's not God's word that we're God's will that we're abiding in. No, it's not God's word. No, it's my will. Christ, the example that he gave to us to show us a life of prayer and answered prayer. How did he pray? Not my will, but thine, Luke 22, 42. Not my will, but thine. Not my will be done, but thine. But, you know, so much of the time, God's people, we're praying all about what we want, what we think is right, what we need, instead of praying according to his promises. 1 John 5, verse 14 tells us that if we ask anything according to his will, how do I know God's will? I know it from his Word, I've, I got to ask according to His will. He heareth us, and we know that if He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Again, man, rock solid promise over answered prayer. Every prayer answered, one hundred percent according to the will, the Word of God. Why aren't we praying all the time? Why is it so easy for us to get discouraged in prayer? I want fruit. I want disciples. Okay, is my heart tied to the glory of God? Do I want for my family and my friends and my neighbors what God's given me? For me to have the privilege to know that God is my Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. The Holy Spirit indwells my heart and life. He's my comforter, my teacher, my my friend. Do I desperately want for this lost world who, by the way, God's not willing that they perish. Do I want for them what God's given to me? Does my heart... Yearn on them like the Father's heart does. Do I get serious? Do I get desperate in pleading prayer over their life? Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. It's one of the things that you know I push prayer a lot. I know God hears and answers prayer, and I'll have to tell you it's the one thing that I wrestle with the most is my prayer life. I know He hears and answers prayer. But there's always one more thing to do. There's only what, there's always one more issue to, to take care of. There's always one more agenda item. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Oh, that is like the sneakiest trick of all. Uh, Prayer is important. I'm going to clear off some time and I'm going to do it. Oh, man, we probably be, we might just be best served to just scrap the rest of this message and just get on our knees and spend the rest of this night praying. But there's another illustration. We're not going to do that. we got to finish this lesson. you got the handouts. <laughs> we got to get it done. God, help us. In verses 9 through 15, here in John 15, we see that we ask because, and I'll, you can do this for your homework, okay? It's because of the love relationship with Jesus and his disciples. And the answered prayer comes out of that love relationship in verses 9 through 15 that we have with Jesus and his people. Because point number three prayer is connected to our obedience to Christ's mission. Verse 16 he says you have not chosen me but i have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye ask of the father in my name he may give it you. What was the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ to the disciples? Uh to go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? Okay, so that's our big agenda. To preach the gospel, those that respond, we baptize them and we teach them all things whatsoever the Lord has commanded. We disciple them in his word. So that's everything. That's what, we're, that's what we're sucking air for. That's why we have skin. That's why we're still able to move and live and have our being is so we can be fruitful to see the Father glorified. So that, oughta, that ought to captivate. That ought to that steal the bulk of our prayer agenda, shouldn't it? prayer is connected to our obedience to Christ's mission. He ordained us to fruit, so my answered prayers ought to be showing souls being saved, disciples being made, and people being equipped to reproduce the same. John 14, 13, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Hello, there is nothing like a church service where somebody gets up and gives a testimony, right? The testimony of God's people recounting how he answered a biblical prayer. Here's what God's word says. Here's the lack of my life. I believed on it. I called on the Lord and look what God did. To God be the glory. Uh, Man, that fires a church up. By the way, uh, whatsoever you shall ask in my name. In John 16, we see point number four, answered prayer comes as we ask in his name. He says, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. It's, and we're going to see this when we get to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Through Jesus, it's through him that we have access to the Father. And so here's what I want. Okay, grab, grab 1 Timothy chapter 2. And, and as, you, as you go there, just let me ask you this question. Does God answer your prayers? Does he answer them? And if the honest question, or if the honest answer in your heart to that question is, is no, I don't really feel like he does, then I want to challenge you to give your life to abiding in the vine, to abiding in his word, to spending time with Jesus. Don't don't, don't approach your your Christian walk any differently than you did whenever you you came to Christ in the first place. God, I'm a wretched sinner, <laughs> right? I need you. God, have mercy on me. So in repentance of sin, in faith, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you believe on him to do what only he can do in your, in your heart and your life. So that's, I mean, that's how we get saved, and, and that's how we live saved. So I don't want to fall into the trap that my performance is what's going to glorify God, it's how God works in and through me. That's what brings him glory. So we want to keep God's heart in that. And that's going to be a real key to answered prayer. Does God answer my prayers? Okay, so if there is fruit that brings glory to God, Jesus' whole point is, is this is proof that you're just too legit to quit. So shall you be my disciples. Right, that's, the, that's the proof of the brand of disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay, so here we are in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we could talk all week about how to pray for our disciples. And uh, here's the cliff notes on that. Just read Paul's prayers. But, but we, could, we could talk about that. But let's focus on what we need right now. If, if, if the goal is to bear fruit, uh, let's, let's start in the aspect of, of, of everything that we're discussing this week. We want to see souls saved if we're going to make disciples. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, we're commanded... I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. And I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles, in faith and verity. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So tonight, I want us to see, in light of the command of John 15, how to pray the right way for the right reasons. That's your next set of blanks. We want to pray the right way for the right reasons. What what does a house of prayer do in praying for the lost? A lot of times we're too Calvinistic in our prayer life. Uh, we'll read a passage like Matthew 6. In Matthew 6, you know, man, get alone, get with God, pray. You don't have to say the same thing over and over again in verse 7. Uh, he says, Don't be like that. Don't just keep repeating yourself. <laughs> He says, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask them. And from there, a lot of God's people will, they'll make the logic jump. Well, if God knows the things that I have need of before I ask him, why well, ask? It's kind of, you know, there's nothing more annoying than to say something to someone that already knows exactly what you're going to say and what you need. Like, so what? Okay, so if God already knows what I'm going to pray for, and if God's sovereign, if God's will will be carried out, What do I have to talk to him about? He's just going to do what he's going to do. Have you ever been tempted to feel that way? God's just going to do what he's going to do anyway. Why would I waste my time pleading my case before the Lord? And I just want to tell you as lovingly as possible, as carefully as possible, that's dumb, defective logic. In Exodus 32, God was angered over the idolatry of Israel. And in Exodus 32, the Lord says to Moses, get down your, notice he calls him, Moses's people. It's not my people. (laughs) Your problem. They're worshiping stuff. (laughs) And he says, uh, verse 9, I've seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff necked people. And then it's chilling. Verse 10, now therefore, let me alone. Leave me alone, Moses. God's telling, I mean, Moses had a tough gig, (laughs) y'all. He's never going to tell you that. Leave me alone. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them. And I'll start over with you. I love verse 11. And Moses besought the Lord his God. and said, Lord, why does thy wrath wax hot against thy people? Notice how he flips it. <laughs> Lord. The Lord tells him, your people are messing up, and I'm going to destroy them. Don't worry. I'll start over with you. I'll make a great, mighty nation. My, I'm going to accomplish my will. Because I've determined it's going to happen. It'll be through Abraham and then, then Moses that I'll have my chosen people. Why, do thy ra- wax, why does why do thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why let, the, why let the heathen talk trash on your people? He begs him in verse 12, turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Moses is telling God to repent. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swear by thine own self and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and this land that I've spoken of will I give unto your seed and they shall inherit it forever. And then look at verse 14. And the Lord repented of the evil which he sought to do unto his people. And had Moses stepped back and let God do that, God would have been just in what he did. And God would have kept his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He would have started over with Moses. All of that would have happened. But Moses stood in the gap for sinners. And he begged God to have mercy. He begged God to remember his promises over their life. And so God says, okay, you ask, you receive. Man, in prayer, God has given us this incredible way to move him. Think about what he's given you in this in this incredible tool of prayer, you, as his child, can come to Almighty God, and you can move him. Now, you're not going to move him contrary to his word. That's not what we're talking about. You're not going to disciple God, okay? But ye have not because ye ask not. See, in prayer, God gives us a way. I mean, there's, there's, there's so much that God wants to do in the life of people, in the life of his people, but, but they, don't, they never see it. They never see traction because they never ask. And I'll just give you another principle. Conversely, you need to understand that prayerlessness is a declaration of your independence from God. You're going to do what you're going to do, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And we miss the fact that in the Word of God, if we're abiding, then what the Lord is saying to us is, I want you to pray. It's pleasing. It's pleasing. God calls us to prayer, so it's not a waste of time. It's not. A lot of prayer in the Bible is all about conforming you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about bringing you to a place where you're submitting to the will of God in his word. But there are so many things. I just, I I shudder to think about what happens when I get to heaven, and there's all of these, these potential answered prayers that I never claimed because I was too busy or I was too you know, there was just always something else to do. So prayer is this intimacy with God that leads to the fulfillment of his purposes. And so what do we do in prayer? Verse 1 says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, that's what, make all kinds of prayers. And so we see the priority of prayer. Where does prayer go in the, I mean, if if 1 Timothy is a pastoral epistle, why is it written? You see in chapter 3, so that, that Tim would know how to pastor the church. How the, how the house of God is to conduct itself. And so, first of all, make prayers. That's where it goes. That's the priority of prayer. There's a proper order in the church. And again, I'm ashamed to say that I get this too wrong too often. I mean, what does Paul tell Timothy? I exhort, therefore, and you've been taught this. Anytime you see therefore in your Bible, you have to ask yourself, what's it there for? And so, you just read chapter 1, and you see, man, there's a battle for truth, Right? We're engaged in spiritual battle. We have to contend for the word of God. We gotta hold the faith in a good conscience. And so we pray. Right? This is why Ephesians 6 tells us, because of the battle that we face, we gotta pray. We got to pray just to make it today. Poet M. C. Hammer. So what do we do, man? We make all kinds of prayers for all kinds of men. Paul says, I'm praying, right? So pray with me. Praying always in all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So, first of all, make all kinds of prayer. That's what we're gonna see next. Why? Well, there's some things that you just can't afford to put off because they're crucial. They're they're mission critical. We can't afford not to do it. You have to change the oil in your car because that's cheaper than changing your engine. Hello, somebody. So you have to make time to get that oil changed out because you want that car to keep running. You have to study before you take a test. Hello, somebody. The answers don't just come whenever you sit down and put pencil to paper. I was just hoping some magic would happen. No, you're a moron, you didn't study. (laughs) Study to show yourself approved under algebra, right? I mean, you you have to learn those equations and you have to do the work up front And if you'll just do it a few minutes a day, then it'll pay off come test time. There are some things that are so crucial. And so before you tackle life, before you tackle ministry, you got to pray. First of all, let's pray. See, we spend too much time reacting to everything that goes on in life when we should be much in prayer. If we're not praying, just be ready to face a lot of frustration. But if we're praying, no matter what comes, even though hard times may come, there's a lot of peace. Because we gave our burdens to the Lord. So what do we do? We pray first of all. That's the priority of prayer. Point number two, the diversity of prayer. We make all kinds of prayers. And so very quickly, supplication, that's a request for needs. You lift up felt needs, uh, perceived issues. You, you bring those up to the Lord. Uh, prayer is the most common term that we use. And, and, and that's the petitions that we make. And again, I gave you a little outline there in your notes. And you can study that out. That's just the cliff notes on the types of prayer. Intercession, that's petitioning God for another. And then the giving of thanks, that's self-explanatory. That's just being thankful to God. in prayer, for example, Psalms 103, it's just all praise. And so that's appropriate. And that's the formula for everything that you're going to face in life and ministry and ministering to people and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We make all kinds of prayers, and what we're going to see in a minute, for all kinds of men... Philippians four six tells us to be careful for nothing, don't worry about anything, don't carry a burden yourself over anything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what's the result? Look down in verse seven, First Timothy two verse 7, or I'm, I'm Philippians four verse seven, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, at the point where we actually take God at his word, we actually believe what he said, right? And we know that he cares about us, our place in his mission, that he wants to use us to bear fruit. He wants to use us to see people born again into his family and kingdom, to use us to see them matured in their faith in the word of Christ. At that point, you will pray, At that point, and again, I I mentioned this last night. It's so critical. I'll just say it again very quickly. Everything that God calls us to, winning souls, making disciples, training up, seeing leaders, seeing ministry multiply, all of that is beyond our capacity. You don't have the ability to give anyone eternal life. You don't have the ability to mature anyone. You can't make anyone grow spiritually. You can be used of God in all of those things, God has to work in and through you. And so, man, that ought to bring us to the place where we humble ourselves then. First Peter 5, verse 6, God, I see what you want to do in and through my life. I get the brand that you're trying to communicate, and so shall you be my disciples, right? I want you to use me as a fruitful servant. And so what I do, I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. How do I do that? Verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So notice in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that these prayers don't just happen, okay? They have to be they have to be made. These prayers have to be made. I exhort therefore that first of all prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. It's not we're going to pray. No, we have to we have to stop and make these prayers. They don't just happen, they have to be made. Your boss doesn't pay you to stay at home and watch TV. You have to make a paycheck. Cake doesn't just ma- magically appear on your counter. You have if you're going to enjoy cake, you have to make a cake, right? Well, prayers don't just happen. You got to take time for them. I don't know how I get all this money. It just shows up in my account. Said no one ever. Right? You have to make that paycheck. So seeing the need, seeing my, my lack, my lack of ability to perform what is necessary in the lives of people, that discontent should fuel my prayer life, right? My calling on the Lord to do what only God can do because I can't see anybody saved. I can't see anybody make the right decisions. I can't get anybody to grow up, but God can use me to impact their lives for his glory through his word and my prayers for them. Contentment should fuel the prayer of thanksgiving and praise. Whenever I see God move, whenever I see God answer prayer, man, I got I got to get my praise on. Uh, that's why in your times of prayer ministry, you want to have from time to time you want to have some testimonies. Uh, people need to people need to know and hear how God answers prayer because when people, I mean, they they, they really pray when they can see that God's hearing and answering prayer. That'll drive kingdom prayer. That'll take your prayer meetings and turn them from these boring exercises and just torture of just how how, how many bunions are we praying for this week in the prayer meeting, and warts and and, and psoriasis and uh, no man we we called on the Lord for you know Susie to give her life to Christ and <laughs> here's the miracle that happened this week. Man, that just that fires God's people up. Okay, point number two: Who? Who do we pray for? Well, for all men. God wants us to make all of these kinds of prayers for all kinds of men. So, who does that leave out? All men. Nobody. Well, except that jerk that I hate at work. No, you got to pray for them. They fall in that category. <laughs> not praying for Russia right now. You know? No. <laughs> God so loved the world. My boss is the Antichrist. No, he's not he might have applied for the position but he failed. You got to pray for him. My my mates the anti-Christ. no no, you got to pray for them. And then Paul gives special emphasis, right, verse 2 for kings and for all that are in authority. So we got to pray for our government rulers. Hello somebody, are you praying for your legislators? Are you praying for your mayor? Are you praying for your congressman? Are you praying for your president? Yeah, yeah, even, I mean, you got to pray for your president. When Paul wrote this, right, I mean, you got psychopaths running the government. When he wrote, I mean, when he wrote it, pray for kings and all in authority. Okay, why? Well, three reasons. Number one, so that you're able to live your lives for Christ freely, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. There is a growing hostility as the world increasingly becomes atheistic and communistic, there's an increasing hostility toward your ability, this little thing that everybody loves, freedom of speech, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's going to get tougher and tougher. It's going to get harder and harder. And so we need to be praying. Why? We, man, I, man, I pray, I pray, God, God, please, let, let our government forget about us. <laughs> I want to live a quiet and peaceable life. I want, to, I want to be left alone to do our business. I want to start Bible studies. I want to see people come to Christ. I want to make disciples. I want to start churches. God, please, I want a peaceable life so that we can do the business you called us to. And don't miss this, point number two, so that God, who desires the salvation of all men, will be pleased. Verse three, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. That's why we pray. It pleases him. It pleases God because here's his will. Verse 4, who will have all men to be saved? So that's salvation. That's God's will. He wants all men to be saved. That's what he wants for your boss, your coworker, your spouse. He wants them to be saved. Second Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know why they're not burning in hell right now? Because God's waiting for us to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit through that door of utterance that he opens for us. So let's pray for it. A friend of mine, Daniel, made this statement, and it was so good, I just wanted to share it with you. He said, most Christians spend more time praying sick sick people out of heaven than they do praying for the people that are lost to escape eternal hell. (laughs) We spend more time praying to keep sick people out of heaven who are saved, then desperately calling on the Lord for the souls of lost people on their way to hell. But wait, there's more that God wants. He wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth. So it's not just salvation, it's also discipleship. And that's why, man, starting Bible studies with the lost is such an such incredibly effective way uh, to, 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 you know, take, you can, you can share the gospel in just a few minutes, but you could also do it in a few weeks or a few months and and, uh, and, and you see your Bible study then turn from an evangelistic Bible study into a discipleship Bible st- I mean, it's just incredible, right? He wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth. Point number three, verse five, because Christ himself is the basis for our prayers. We saw that in John 14. He says, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, or God and men, the man Jesus, or Christ Jesus. You know, Job complained about this. His complaint about God is that God's not a man, that I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. How are we going to work this out? Job 9.33 says, neither is there any daysman; There's no umpire between me and God. There's no judge betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. And so this is God's ultimate answer, not just to Job, but also to you and to me. You know, you don't just get to come into God's presence because of who you are. you got to be ushered in by the daysman. You've got to be ushered in by his son. We need a go-between, a go-between. That's who Jesus is for us. He's our go-between. He's our mediator. He's the only one that could because he's the only one who is all God and all man. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 tells us he was God manifest in the flesh. Again, by the way, this is why we pray in Jesus' name. If you attend chair, uh, church for any length of time, you know when God's people pray, that little shave-and-a-haircut-two-bits thing that they put on the end of the prayers. It's, 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 sometimes that's what we do. It's like we just tack it on. And I pray for mommy and daddy and the church budget and, you know, in Jesus' name, amen. And, and so that can, de- that can devolve into shave and a haircut, you know. That's not, what that, that's not just a, a standard ending to prayer. It's, it's a recognition of the privilege that we have in prayer through Jesus Christ. Again, John 15:16. Whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, right? We're asking because of Christ, on Christ's behalf. He is the one who gave us access. John 16, 23, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. So how is Jesus, right, how has he bridged us to God? Look at First Timothy 2, verse 6. Here's how he became our arbitrator, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. The infinite God pays the price to buy out all of mankind, buy all of mankind out of the slavery of sin. He was made a little lower than the angels. He suffered death for all of us. Hebrews 2.9 tells us that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Okay, that's something to talk about. The creator, I mean, the creator of the cosmos of heaven and earth died for you, tasted death for you, suffered God's wrath over your sin. I mean, that's a conversation that every single person ever born will wish that they had with somebody who had the goods that had God's love for them. That's something to talk about. Notice verses 5 and 6 doesn't say our mediator is praying for the lost. Jesus isn't praying for the lost. As a matter of fact, in John 17, verse 9, he says, I pray for them. I pray for the disciples. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Hello. God commands you. He commands me to pray for the lost. That's, that's not Jesus' job. That's my job. I'm commanded to pray for the lost because God wants all men to be saved. And more than that, right, I need to talk I need to talk to more than just God. It can't just be prayer. I have to pray, but it can't end there. Verse 7, I actually have to open my mouth and preach the gospel. So whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. So this is a really important point. Uh, We need to be preaching what we're praying. So if we're praying... For God to bear fruit in and through us as his people, we ought to then open our mouths in faith that God's going to hear and answer those prayers. We ought to be preaching what we're praying. Yeah, we need to talk to God, but then in faith before God and faithfully, right, faithfully to God, we need to teach others. We need to preach to others what we've been talking to God about in prayer. Does that make sense? So what I pray about, I'm burdened over the lost. At some point, that burden before the Lord, I need to take it to that lost beloved person who is dead in sin, and I need to give them the truth of God's gospel in his love. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 says, all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. So that's, uh, that's the business that we're in to see the lost reconciled to God. So we need to pray, but we need to preach what we're praying. By the way, the, ver- the reverse is true. We should be praying what we preach. not fu- It's so easy, especially, okay, you know, in churches like ours, we're always, our fellowship, we're always training leaders, aren't we? And what will happen is it's very easy to get into the trap of study, 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 preach, 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 and very little prayer, prayer, prayer. I'm ashamed of how many times I've worked my tail off getting a message ready, okay? And then the extent of my prayer over it was, is, oh, God, have mercy. That ain't right. <laughs> that is not right, right? We need to, we need to, we need to pray what we're preaching. I want to source my prayers in God's word. If you'll do that, if you'll source your prayers in God's word, the word that you should be declaring, the things that people should be learning, right, and whatsoever things I've commanded, that's what we're, we're investing in the lives of people, if I make that my prayer manual, it transforms my prayer life. Mueller said for years, George Mueller, for years I would pray and my mind would wander. How many of you know about that? I can read my Bible and my mind will wander. I'll be down reading my Bible and it's like, why am I thinking about cows? <laughs> like, how did that happen? And then I go try to trace it back and I had like 20 different thoughts and meanderings. <laughs> like, you know, something in the Bible reminded me about something and I'm, you know, a little AD and so, you know. I'm, I'm tiptoeing through the tulips of my brain, and it's not pretty. Okay, so uh, he says, I pray my mind would wander. Man, okay, that, that's true. But when I started in the book, when I started praying in the book, it transformed my prayer for decades to come. Every page of this book is a prayer manual. Who is God in the passage? What's he, what's he doing? What's he saying? What's our response supposed to be? It's a rich manual for prayer. So we need to be praying what we're preaching. Point number four, how do we pray? Any men in the house? How many men in the house? Don't be afraid. I mean, show it if you got it. Okay. Here's how men pray. Uh, We won't get to it. Ladies, you see how you pray later on down in the chapter. Verse eight, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. That's how they pray. Men pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So everywhere, in every situation, for every cause, for every need, in every place, to obey God is to pray. Everybody with me? To obey God, to obey, it's to pray. And then lifting up holy hands. Okay, check out Psalm 66. Do you know you're blameless before the Lord when you come to him in prayer? Or are you holding on to some sin that Christ bled to buy you back from Now, I mean, Paul in Romans 7 said that, I mean, this is how he described himself, oh, wretched man that I am. I mean, he describes it in the present tense. And he tells you what the key is to walking in victory just a few words later at the beginning of chapter 8, right? But what does he say? Oh, wretched man that I am. So I'm not talking about the fact that we recognize we all fall short, okay? I'm talking about, is there something in your life that you're justifying? I know it's sin. I know Christ redeemed me. He purchased me back from that. Uh, That is not to have dominion over me, but, and then what comes after that, but, really stinks, and it's a lame excuse, it's a dirty, stinking excuse, pun intended, but you got to understand, here's what's going on in my life, and what am I doing? I'm excusing rebellion against the Lord, I'm making reason and place for it, what am I doing? I'm regarding iniquity in my heart. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. God, you see, you know, you just get started in prayer, and God's like, talk to the hand. you you got something to get right first, right? But if you can say, God's worth being right with, so I'm going to, man, I mean, so help me, God, by his grace, I'm going to, every time I find myself in a place of, of error, missing the mark of sin, of rebellion, man, I, so help me, God, by his grace, I'm going to give that to the Lord I'm going to submit myself to God. I'm going to, I'm going to turn, and I'm going to follow the word of God. Verse 19, but verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Second Samuel 22, verse 21, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands hath he recompensed me. Psalm 24, verse 3, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. You know, it's a prayer of faith, lifting up holy hands. You know, sometimes we try in the flesh and there's still a void. There's some depression. There's some habit. Okay, but if we will acknowledge that to the Lord and agree with God over it, Lord, this is sin. Here's what it is. And this is what your word says should be true over my life. And so, God, I'm just pleading your mercy and your grace. So help me, God, by your grace. What your word says over my life will be reality. I'm trusting you for that. Where we turn from sin to the author of life. Why? Well, because he's worthy. He's worth being right with. That makes prayer sweet. That makes prayer intimate. That makes prayer close. That's the kind of time, that's the kind of, those are the kind of times in prayer where you recognize that your heart has cockles because they're warm, right? Uh, You go to God as your father and he receives you. The verse goes on, without wrath and doubting. So there can be no raging in prayer, a lot of raging in prayer, a lot of screaming at God in prayer. I I I can take you to churches where they act like God is deaf and they're mad at him, screaming at him. You know, just raging in prayer, raging over injustice. Um, you know, they didn't get what they wanted. They didn't receive what they were due. Um, they'll, they'll make, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll rage against flesh and blood. It, it's a, there's no place for raging in prayer. Because what we saw in Philippians chapter 4 is the, the result of prayer is peace. Okay, we don't want to make prayers full of wrath, making demands on God. Um, don't fall into the trap of refusing to implore and plead and, and come to God demanding your will. Uh, that's grievous. Don't do that. And then lastly, there can be no faithlessness in prayer. Hebrews eleven six tells us without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Okay, so I hear all the trapper keepers clicking and I know what you're doing, and I just want to challenge you. We're done. I get the hint. (laughs) Could you look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, and could you raise your hands to the Lord over the lost in your life that you know need Jesus? Could you make a list of the lost and just commit to praying and fasting over them, just seeking the Lord for them? And then in faith, after some season of prayer, uh, go to them and say, "Hey, I've been thinking about starting a Bible study. I'm, I'm thinking about starting a, a Bible study on lunch break here at work. Would you help me? Would you, would you, would you like to study the Bible with me? And then you just take them from Genesis to Jesus, right? Um, hey, would you just be me and you? Let's do coffee next week. Would you be interested in in getting to the into the Word with me? I'm we're blown away by how many times we pray and we seek the Lord and." and then God lays somebody on your heart, and then you go, and then you just introduce them to Jesus, and they're so grateful. They're so glad, you know? Uh, Could you make a list over the lost and begin to agree with God over how he's not willing that they perish? That'll drive your knees. I mean, that'll drive you to your knees to plead in prayer. I love you guys. I thank you for your time, your attention, and I'm praying for you. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit LFFellowship.com. God bless.